0: Tuning into another episode of the Bloom Theory podcast. I was actually just talking to Caitlin about how I realized technically it should be Bloom Theory, I mean, Bloom Hypothesis, since I have nothing to back this up. But Bloom Hypothesis doesn't quite sound as good. I'm actually in bed right now, cuddled up in a fuzzy blanket, and I decided to record this opener instead of watching TV. Recently, I've been watching Love Is Blind in the Circle, so. Please let me know if you've been binge watching those also. It's kind of weird now. I guess like they release them weekly. So um, I actually kind of had to wait for certain things like back when people would actually watch TV and watch episodes (laughs) weekly. Sometimes I feel like it's good to watch TV shows after a long day that take people out of this reality, although they're termed reality TV. Because for me, it's just really funny. And today was just one of those days that I wanted to go home and curl up and watch movies all evening. Because work um, (laughs) didn't turn out the greatest today. So if you know me, I'm currently working as a research assistant in a lab. And uh, I accidentally dumped my results down the drain. So basically everything I did today quite literally went down the drain. (laughs) So if you've ever done Eliza, you know there's a lot of washing and pipetting steps and during those steps you actually do dump out what's in the wells and then add something else except for the very last step and yeah well of course (laughs) the very last step by habit I literally dumped my samples down the drain and I didn't really have time to do it again so uh, I have to do that tomorrow morning lessons learned. I, it's funny because I've definitely thought about how I have almost done that before, just because, you know, it's like habit after you do so many steps doing the same thing and your body kind of just can work faster than your mind does. And my brain obviously was working slower than my arm at that moment because my arm decided to dump my results down the drain. So, um, wasn't the greatest day and I decided to go to Target afterwards for a little serotonin boost, and it did help. I think that I probably shouldn't reward myself that often with a bad day and go shopping to Target, but um, for today, it solved my problem. (laughs) Anywho, on to the interview for today's podcast. So today, as the title states, I am interviewing my sister, Caitlin Peterson, who's currently a high school administrator, and not only has she quickly moved up to an administrative position in the short time she's been a teacher, but she also has finished her master's, which will enable her to go on and do even bigger things, bettering the school system. And she's actually gonna go a little bit more into this uh, in the interview. I don't know too much about the track for a teacher, so we kind of get into that a little bit in the interview. We also talk about how to form connections with students of various learning styles, empowering students and what it truly means to be extraordinary my sister has always been a natural born teacher and she actually taught me cursive at the age of five and i remember her telling me don't you want to know more than the other kids when school starts and that my friends is where the overachieving mindset began she has always been my biggest role model and i thought what better person to invite as my first guest on the podcast I think you all will really enjoy this interview, and please don't forget to rate this podcast if you do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bloom Theory Podcast. Today, we have our very first guest, my one and only sister, Caitlin. Hi, everyone. So, today, we're probably just gonna talk about some casual things because we're sisters, and I feel like this can't be a formal interview between sisters because that would just be kind of weird but anyway we're just kind of over her house drinking some coffee and we just had brunch so it was a good time yep we're in a food coma right
1: now lots of bacon
0: lots of bacon lots of french toast and i feel like it would be fun to have you consistently
1: on the podcast yeah a recurring character
0: I love how I just volunteered her and I just said that and I didn't even I didn't even talk with you. I was just like, Oh yeah, I'll have you on the podcast multiple times and I didn't even actually ask you. (laughs) I just said that.
1: It's okay. I'll put it in my bullet journal, which I think we're gonna talk about in a little bit.
0: (laughs) What a wonderful segue. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I was just gonna like ask what's new? Any like books, shows, anything new before we get into the real nitty-gritty details of bullet journaling and teaching.
1: Yeah, so I have been doing all the things because I have been, um, I like to practice self-care as, as one prepares for, for like an event. Like I do all of the things <laughs> at once. So I'm like watching show, multiple shows at once, reading multiple books, putting face masks on, whitening strips. I'm like doing it all. And it's. I think I'm, I'm negating the purpose of self-care. It's like it overwhelming. <laughs>
0: it's like procrastinating for an exam. But instead you're like, Oh crap, I need to do my self care all for this entire week on this very night when I have a free time for twenty minutes.
1: Right. Or like, I need to have fun now. I have booked this time to have fun. I must have all the fun. Do all the things right now.
0: That's what I normally do. It's normally like Sunday's my self care night and then like we're both getting ready for work. But now Joey's doing his police training. So I have self care night basically every night. So I've been able to binge watch every girl show, every girl movie, anything that I want to do.
1: Sometimes you need that time for yourself to just decompress and not think.
0: Yeah. I've been doing, I've been wearing my fuzzy robe because it's been getting cold because basically my apartment is in a basement, in case anyone (laughs) doesn't know that. Caitlin already knows that. But it's been cold, so I just like get out of a warm shower and I get my fuzzy robe, I put a mask on, I put leave in conditioner in my hair, and then I've been watching Inventing Anna and the Tinder
1: Swindler. Yes. Catfishing, <laughs> mask fishing. Yeah, I wish catfish
0: a... was on Netflix. I was just saying that last night. I was like, I wish catfish like all the seasons of catfish was on Netflix.
1: Well well now the kids are talking about mask fishing and like how everyone's perceptions of everyone was more beautiful before the mask mandate got lifted. And now the lower half of everyone's face apparently makes them uglier, or according to the, the That's teenagers. That's unfortunately
0: kind of true. I feel like now I'm self-conscious.
1: Well, I, I, I've never had to. It's not that I don't practice good oral hygiene, but I haven't. I guess, moderated my coffee, red wine, black tea. I think everyone's red wine <laughs> intake
0: went up during COVID. And
1: then <laughs> the whitening strip price also went up at the same Wait, time. Wait, did it actually? Yeah. <gasps> Since the mask mandate lifted. So now I'm- bu- That's so I used to funny. buy name brand Arc Pressed, Light. Well, the uh, Arc whitening with the, strips with the, with the light. And now I'm buying Equate up and up. I need to try to get anything. High Smile
0: to send me more free stuff. <laughs> But um, yeah, I need to do whitening strips as well. I feel like my teeth are getting yellow from the coffee, so
1: I use it for my shower routine. So like, do you twos- get in the shower with Tuesday the Thursday? So the the arc light, you're supposed to put the whitening strip on for 25 minutes, and then the last five, you put the light in. And since I take such a long shower, that's about 25 to 30 minutes. 25 to 30 minutes <laughs> shower. So I put my whitening strip in before the shower. And then when I get out, I put the arc light in and I go like, off.
0: I feel like you probably remember this from when I was little. I never like getting the shower. Like, I procrastinate getting the shower. I like taking quick showers. I'm not one of those people that, like, stays in the shower for a long time. And Joey stays in the shower for so long. Like, today, the reason we were late to brunch was because he was in the shower. Which now I'm like, it's fine because they have terrible showers, like, at the barracks. So they're, like, deprived of their warm, hot showers and want to yeah. just relax. How so about like, that it's, water pressure? Yeah, like, it's fine. It's whatever. But I am like, you get in the shower to clean, then you get out, you know? No, yeah, I think it's there. like a,
1: it's my opportunity. I'm not a good singer, and so it's a very judgment-free zone to practice my vocal You think skill. it's a judgment-free zone, but people, like, devin oh, outside is, like, listening the to you The acoustics in my shower are so good. Like, I can just, I can hit every Adele You're like Adele. Mode.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I always am, like, singing Adele. I'm like, oh, I could be her right
1: now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, like, rolling in the deep shower. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, let's start with just, like, tell me about yourself, what you do. And what you've been working towards as far as your career and everything like that, because I know that there's been a lot of recent updates. So, oh, all the please things tell our listeners, I'm all the start updates. from the
1: top. So, I was born just <laughs> in the dark, stormy night. <laughs> um, so, I guess a little bit about myself I'm a high school educator um, in Maryland and. I love reading, crafting, bullet journaling, and the occasional serial killer documentary that I haven't seen on Netflix. She says
0: occasional, but she watches every single one.
1: Well, it's it's (laughs) occasional because I've seen them all, so they only occasionally get a new one. So I only occasionally watch because I'm caught up. Um, I don't know why. I think that makes me more basic white girl. (laughs) That I enjoy. You can serocard. say bleep.
0: You can say bleep. I don't. I. I feel like I want to encourage cussing on the podcast, but if it happens, I'm just gonna bleep it because I want
1: it to be normal. So if you were gonna say I, I, it, I, I'll just
0: I'll bleep it. I, I
1: think I. I didn't even realize I like self moderated my own language.
0: In that <laughs> it makes me uh, basic white bleep, but
1: <laughs> I mean I'm also a high school teacher, so I I self I oh, use yeah, language anyway. <laughs> Um, It's a lot of like... It comes naturally to you. (laughs) Um, I'm married to uh, my husband, Devin, and we have three crazy Siberian Huskies that are all basically the same age. They're all four um, right now, so there's a lot of dog fur happening in my house. Um, I guess recent updates for my career, I've gotten... I finished up my master's degree in school improvement leadership, which also granted me an administrative... 1 and 2 certificate, which um, for those of you that aren't in education, that basically qualifies me to be an assistant principal in the state of Maryland, which is really cool. Um, I'm a current department chair of English, so I'm my background is in, in English secondary education at the high school level, and I've taught all, all grade levels of English and some electives, um, but my current role is more supervisory, so I'm not teaching students. Instead, I'm mentoring new teachers, managing um, literacy instruction and achievement um, at my school and uh, doing other more administrative tasks. So I have like a budget that I spend on each of my 18 teachers in my department. Um, And it's been giving me some really good, in the last three years since I've been department chair, um, I've seen education change from... You know the traditional setting before we had one one-to-one devices in my county to virtual learning and pandemic instruction to hybrid learning where we had some kids at home and some kids not and now we have quote unquote normal teaching with masks and recently without masks so um my trajectory i would say i would like to go into administration just because i really like Uh, making an impact on kids, but I also think um, the the educational industry needs people that can problem solve and make good decisions for students and the communities they live in.
0: That's very true, very true. That was a that was a good description. I was like "I, I might have to ask her some questions to get in deeper, but then I was like that pretty much covered all your bases. But you pretty much have been on interviews, so you probably yeah, have
1: not that rehearsed. <laughs> that, that is so rehearsed. I, I had my <laughs> panel interview last week. I've been doing mock interviews, um, and they they ask you. I mean, when you want to be an assistant principal, you, you study up and you think you have to come and like impress them. But the first question is always like, "What's your educational journey, and why do you want to be an assistant principal?" Like they want to see, do you like children at all? Like, like do you want to make a and change? drive
0: and real honest reasons not
1: just right and that's the most important question like the questions that you get after that about data and about uh literacy and achievement gaps and equity all that stuff is so important but that first question is like why do you want to do this and it's the the why that makes you um, a good educator or not good educator
0: yeah or just like an educator versus someone that stands out like a great one correct i feel like almost they should ask I mean I'm sure they do but I obviously I feel like the standards are a little lower obviously but for normal teachers just like regular teachers going into I feel like it should be very like where is your drive and your passion in a way because just based off like when I was doing mentoring I mean I know it varies obviously on the area and stuff but I was like so excited because I like teaching and I like talking with students and I was in the eighth grade class and this teacher was just like gave me the worst experience being a student mentor and I was just like this is so sad because all these students are like whispering to me and being like oh miss so-and-so is so mean and she doesn't want she just wants to yell at us like anything we do she just wants an excuse to yell at us and I was like I feel like students should not feel like that you know
1: yeah but I think I think you're speaking to uh, a bigger problem in education maybe that teacher 20 years ago was that standing on the desktops so oh captain my captain <laughs> color, color coordinating their folders at and, one point and planning things and unfortunately the profession especially in the state of Maryland um, and there's recent legislature being passed to change this but it's it's not a it's not a revered profession and you unfortunately when you're not valued in your career and you're not paid for being effective even the most um, gung ho, uh, avid teacher that has a passion for students will start to get, I like to call, them, crusty and jaded, and jaded. Uh, yeah. and, and part of the reason why I think I stand out a little bit in the administrative pool is because I'm I'm only in my current year six in education.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say you move so yeah. fast that it's almost like you don't have time to get stagnant and feel. Under-appreciated. underappreciated for what you're doing because you're moving quickly through the, I guess the ranks in a way to be like oh I'm still someone that's standing out yeah and there's I'm still no, being appreciated still moving up there's
1: no boredom I was an English 10 team lead by year three department chair by year four and I'm entering the pool by year six so I there there was no downtime um and I think I think that's effective, but not everyone wants to go to administration, and so there needs to be incentives for teachers that want to stay in the classroom to continue to get better and have financial, Um, which currently in Maryland, the Kerwin Commission, um, which is new legislature for teacher incentives, um, is giving raises and and all kinds of monetary and other incentives for being a good teacher.
0: Then. I was just going to say that, so for someone that maybe wants to be a teacher or is in college right now and studying, doing, like, their um, student teaching and stuff, like, what do you recommend them do so that they don't become that teacher that's, you know, old and crusty, <laughs> like you say, and not and feel appreciated and still have that, like, passion and stuff?
1: Well, I think part of the thing is, is that you need to have a realistic view of the public education system i think sometimes being too idealistic and enthusiastic going into the profession is going to set you up for unmet expectations i've seen a lot of new teachers that literally they just want to like change the world change the world yeah. stand on desks have their kids write passion projects and School write of rock. Things. <laughs> yeah you know and and then you get you know you're teaching in 2022 and kids are exhausted they're coming from trauma they um, are coming with different uh, we have changing populations of students that don't get along and there's racism and there's um, you know looming violence and you know we're talking about politics like you know the kids are talking about the invasion of Ukraine and yeah. and, and their their head isn't in reading Lord of the Flies with you and so it's in real life problems that they're going right. through right and so you're not going to change a student in a day. And I think, I think looking at yourself as not someone who's going to, to, uh, I think the metaphor that teachers, idealistic teachers use is that I'm a cup or I'm a, I'm a, a, what is it? A a pitcher full of knowledge and I'm going to pour into these students and, and then I'm going to get fulfilled. And it's, it's not that at all. The the students teach us things. And, and I think you have to approach the population that you get and it's not, it's going to look different. And, and you might not even see you made a difference for that kid until six years from now when they're now in their profession, and they're like, you made a difference six years ago. And I think teachers, um, they expect to see, you know, you buy a lot of stickers for them, and you change <laughs> the kid's life in a week. And no, the you know, in the high school level, you're going to get cussed out. You're going to see maybe some fights in the school. Yeah. You're going to see uh, drugs in the bathroom, and you're going to get discouraged because you're, you're – one period every other day hasn't changed their life um so kind of recognizing not that you're not important you are but you are not the savior and like i think when when teachers get like a a, some sort of savior complex or believe in like like their fulfillment
0: comes through doing what they want the kids to do in a way like they
1: want the kids
0: to learn this thing and kind of be like oh my teacher's amazing Right, and, and it's then, like the
1: sage on the stage. Yeah, that that they're only going to get the light that you have the light, and it's and it's like if without you they're going to fail, and it's like no, they're that student, um, there there is many ways for them to be successful, yeah. and they don't and need their life you. keeps
0: going without right. you, and the with reward you. is
1: actually knowing some of these awesome kids. Yeah, um, so I think the the why doesn't become change kids' lives, and and they all are going to become doctors and lawyers and astronauts. Mm. It's that you made a meaningful connection with a kid and, and Rita Pearson is, um, she, she's famous for her Ted talk on education. And she says, every child deserves a champion. And that comes from the statistic that if a kid knows at least one adult in their, it makes a connection with at least one adult in their high school experience, they're more likely to be successful. And, and, and that, and you think kids have eight teachers in high school in my district per semester. So if they just make one connection with one of those teachers, they are statistically more likely to be successful. And I think that should be the goal is to be a kid's champion, an advocate, or just be their person.
0: And as far as like connection, do you mean like kind of an emotional connection or an inspiration? Or like what do you mean by being their champion? Like
1: how do you define that? Right, and and I I think that's a good point. It's being their advocate. And and teaching the student, empowering the student that they are of value, that they're seen. Um, With my new teachers, a lot of times, all I ask for them, I don't ask them to be able to manage every behavior. Kids come in with their problems, they act out, but that kid should be acknowledged when they come into the room. That kid should feel like, I can't sneak into the room without Miss Peterson seeing me. I can't sneak out of the room without Miss Peterson seeing me. I can't behave poorly without her noticing and being disappointed in me. I can't do something awesome without her saying chasing me down the hallway and saying, "Good job on that game on Friday. I saw you play, you know, you know, soccer, or I heard that you did great in theater." Like that kid should know that they they matter in the world because a teacher won't let them sneak by mm-hmm. all year. And I think that like, alone they're not just, just going seen, through
0: life not being seen, not being noticed, and everything.
1: Yeah, and it teaches them that. And then in doing so, in that process, you're teaching, you teach that student to advocate for themselves and to, to that, that their story matters.
0: That kind of like leads to like individually how do you, when you see a student and you might see that they're struggling or something, and you see, you know, another student struggling in another way, either learning or maybe mentally like they're not connecting to you or something do you how do you analyze that problem and be like I'm going to help this student and reward them in this way so that they are encouraged versus other students that maybe get it more
1: quickly right so in education it's called we call that differentiation and so every student learns in their own way and there's different learning styles there's also so differentiation um it's broken up in a couple different categories. Uh, process, how students learn, how students process information. Um, content, the physical content, how it's being presented to them, whether that's text, whether it's video, whether it's audio, and then um, grouping. Some students work better individually, alone, and other students work better in groups, um, and the groups could be different. Um, and then there's also the the delivery of how they show their learning so you might be I would say as a student you might be a visual learner and you do a better job um, looking at visual texts like images but the way you show mastery of the concept is through spoken word so you might be able to instead of writing an essay on the topic you might be better in, in this sort of format, like creating a podcast or giving a speech or recording a video. So, th- so students, um, I would say, learn at many different levels and show what they learn at many different levels. And you evaluate that through, uh, you can give them learner profile quizzes, just through observation. A lot of times in high school, especially, what we want is we want students to know themselves Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of times we ask them at the beginning of the year. We give them like a learner questionnaire profile that says, you know, here's three examples of an activity. Which one do you Yeah, that's score another the thing best?
0: I was gonna say. So, like, how much freedom do you have in? So you said you call it differentiation for what teachers call it. <laughs> I didn't right, know that there's no? a term for that. But um, so, how much freedom do you have in changing up? Maybe not just not the entire curriculum, but. And how you test a student or how you teach your class? Because every student, do you think every student is different? Or could you group them and be like, oh, you know, you are kind of audio learners. You're visual learners. Like, do you kind of group them into categories like that? Or do you think everyone kind of has their own thing where it's like, okay, they also do well in this way, and then they also do well in that way?
1: Right. So, and it's funny you say that because you can get hyper- over analytical and say right like, and everything is and so movies. different yeah. like they're all th- themselves and there is no groups and then so as, as a teacher you 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 generalize themes like you can start to pick up on okay all these kids are all you know um they're gonna benefit from sound they're gonna be- benefit from a visual poster um what you do is you you make your lesson one way to differentiate effectively is to make your lesson all of the things, all the time. Um, and you do have freedom. And kind of that,
0: cover all bases within yeah. that lesson. And
1: I know you spoke to, like, curriculum. How can we change it? And and our curriculum writers have gone through transformations. And, and really, ideally, a good curriculum would have all those things built in so that there is an audio component. There is a visual so there component. there aren't any gaps. There's group work. There's individual work. There's, um, you know project-based learning versus uh, individual mastery of concept. There's, um, in, ideally the curriculum should be all those things, but it won't be because your school over in the northern part of the county has a different population of students than mine does. And this doesn't even speak to as far as the effect of uh, diversity right. would on a learner's profile, which, which has its own thing. Like yeah. certain groups of students learn differently based on, you know, um, even their ethnicity. Their background. Like, their... if you think about in the African-American community, the spoken word uh, culture, the way that that um, activity, that choral, it's a very choral group community activity. Um, like, there, some school communities have a rich spoken word um, rap, type of culture. And and those students sometimes can perform better with oral tasks over written tasks. And what you what you don't do is take away from your lesson planning, where students never have to write an essay again if they're really good at spoken word. What you do is you use what they're good at to validate them and make sure that they know that they're smart and that they're capable. But then you ask them to code switch and you say, you're all great at this. Or this group or this single student is really good at composing music. Um, how can we use that to show mastery of an English standard by maybe composing a song that speaks to theme? And then from there, you scaffold that mastery to a, a different skill. And you do have to force them eventually to produce that essay mm-hmm. or give that speech. So you speech can kind
0: of use it as a tool. As a
1: gateway. Yeah. yeah to, to build validate.
0: Almost like build their confidence and then... They can be like, I can do this. I'm just going to translate it over into actual written
1: right. words. So like a good example is is math. Kids say, I'm bad at math or I'm good at math. Mm-hmm. And it, it all comes from probably a kindergarten, second grade experience where a teacher goes, you got that answer wrong. and that was Or like, they
0: throw them that worksheet with a zillion multiplication questions and then, you know, mark them all wrong. And they say, you need to study this
1: more. Right. <laughs> but then you say, you see them on the side of your class playing music. And you're like, so you're into music. You can read music. That's fractions. Music is math. Right, exactly. And you start to make those connections. Like I I remember I had this student one time who said he was bad at English and he didn't like writing and he didn't like reading. And I noticed that he was heavy into playing Skyrim, (laughs) which is an RPG. Uh, It's a game that I enjoy myself. And if you know anything about this award-winning game from Bethesda Game Studios... <laughs> I hope some of the listeners can relate. <laughs> if any Game of Thrones fans out there, too, it, it's, a, it's a RPG fantasy game that has so much lore in it, which is, is the stories. Like, when you go in this game, there's bookshelves and bookshelves, and they're actual books that the game creators have written. And this student had read all the lore... Knew oh, every wow. fact from this world, and and Skyrim is is renowned as a video game because it's vast. The details you can play this. I mean, this game's been out since twenty eleven. It is twenty twenty two, and I still haven't explored every book, That's every crazy. town. That's crazy. And this kid knew all about it. And I said, you know, what's your dream job? And he said, I want to be a content creator at Bethesda Game Studios. And I said, um, so how is that not being good at English? If and and he could sit and write lore and. I, I remember I took a, a paper that I had assigned, and I, it was a compare-contrast compare paper. And I had students compare one article to another and use argumentative evidence to, to find the, the argument. And for just for him, I changed the assignment so that it was comparing one of Bethesda games to another. And a student who hadn't written anything all year wrote me a seven-page oh argumentative wow. essay, and I told him to, like, stop writing. Like, it's, <laughs> it's too much. Like, I like, and it was all quality work, but it was because he was passionate about it, and yeah. then he started to see it's not that I'm bad. There's no value judgment on my intellect. It's that I hadn't found mm. the connection yet.
0: I think that's a good, a really good example of focusing on each person as individuals, and it doesn't make anyone more more smarter, smarter than anyone else. It's just kind of about what... Kind of is the key to making them feel validating what they're writing about or what they're doing,
1: and right? And that's the teacher. That's yeah. that's the magic of teaching. And if you can do that and make connections, it doesn't matter what you teach or how much you know. Um, I know I personally didn't start off in education wanting to be an English teacher in high school. I wanted to be an elementary ed major because I I kind of like all subjects. I'm not necessarily oh actually at I didn't everything. know that. But I love to see the connection like I just love to see kids learn it's not it, it's not like which is where a lot of teachers get hung up because they're more passionate about their content than they are about student learning so what they want is to kind of convince students that their content is the most important thing like mm-hmm. a lot of English teachers want students to walk away talking about Hamlet like it's the best thing right. that has ever existed and it, that's not what it is like when I see a student talking about their math teacher I, I get excited along with them, and mm-hmm. I, I've never been so married to the English content that I'm, I'm trying to sell a kid on a book or yeah. or to be an English major. In fact, sometimes it's the opposite for me. I, I don't want them to be an English major. Yeah, because you're like, ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> like, don't pigeonhole yourself, you know? If you don't want to be an English teacher, why, you know?
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of cool that you say that, too, about the different subjects, because I feel like I want this podcast to be more about what makes somebody so that they can listen to it and be like I'm a well-rounded individual that I don't just focus on I'm not just a science person I'm not just an English person like I can be all of these things and like all of these things without being like if I do science and I really like it and I make that my identity and then I fail at something you know I'm not going to succeed in my job or something it's like you're more than just your job or one thing you know so that yeah, you can you're kind of
1: you're a lifelong learner. You can, yeah, like cool. you
0: can find what makes you truly your happiest, like in all the different aspects of your personality and yourself.
1: Right, and it's your unique set of skills combined together that makes you successful. And, and, and that's what a teacher should be doing in school is, I may be teaching Lord of the Flies, but I'm actually teaching you how to read because the skill of reading critically is what's going to make you successful down the road, whether you're a mm-hmm. scientist or you're... Um, a script writer or you're a plumber. It doesn't matter what you are, the skill of reading, the skill of critical thinking, I'm I'm teaching students always
0: translates right, how to work together real in life. A group. Yeah.
1: You know, collaboration, communication, how to write an email, all of those skills eventually and, and as you get into college those skills become more um, specific yeah. and and you become a master of a specific craft. Um, but you don't need to be a master of one. You can be a jack of all mm-hmm. and, and maybe be more marketable.
0: I feel like that's exactly that's like exactly what I wanna point out with the podcast is like people can be I, I know that they I think that the full there's like the full quote of ma or Jack of all trades, master of none, but better better to be a, master of some or what is what is the full be a master
1: of some than a master of master of, of none. none, right?
0: Right. And I was like that's nobody ever says the very end of it. I feel like that's our family. Well, it <laughs> it's is our family. Cult. We always are, like have all these hobbies and all these different things we do, but we still are good at, you know, specific things, but we don't define just, you know, ourselves as just that one thing.
1: Well, I think part of that speaks to our culture as a, an American society. We're, we're an individualistic culture. Our American dream is to be the best, make the most, and we have, we kind of have the cult of the genius. Like, like it's better to sell your soul for one good thing, and and stand out. Like for the one hustler, good thing. the
0: New York, right? You someone know, who's willing grind.
1: to correct, Someone who's willing to cast aside all else for the one skill mm-hmm. that's going to make them a celebrity. To be the
0: best, yeah. And and
1: thing. we think about savants, you know, and and in that uh, archetype, the savant usually lacks one skill. You know, think of Einstein and, and... Like they
0: have a weakness.
1: Yeah, there's a weakness yeah. involved. And, and I think we idolize those types of figures because they make history. They invent the theory of relativity and, and mm-hmm. make... This.
0: Well, it's like I, I I was talking to this, actually, to a professor on my interview. And I said, I mean, as much as like I want to pursue my PhD and everything like that, I'm not against that. But I was like, scientists are almost crazy people that have an obsession. Or addicts. Because it's like, you focus on this one little question that you're trying to solve, and then you keep getting it wrong, keep getting it wrong, you know, your hypothesis is wrong, you're wrong, and trial and error. And then you're addicted to just trying and trying again, trying and trying again. And then it's like, sometimes, I mean, not everybody, not all scientists obviously are like this, but a lot of the great ones, they sacrifice all their other things in life took them so long to get it but then you see these amazing entrepreneurs these business people they're the well-rounded people that are making it like really far not you know the other people that didn't make the connections they're not as happy and they're or even like in the musician doing their most industry, fulfilled life you know in a way.
1: mental health in the musician industry is yeah it's yeah putting an art any like a lot yeah. of arts it's like who are you doing this for are you doing this the prestige
0: for or the celebrity
1: status and yeah and I think whereas entrepreneurs and and philanthropists and those people's why and I think maybe it comes down to defining your purpose yeah and
0: your mindset your mindset about what you're doing
1: that becomes your your purpose your why defines what your end goal is and if your end goal is something super narrow, um, I think. I think at, at that point, you start to lose your identity. So, I think at the, at the end of the day, it just it comes down to, to making human connection, making mm-hmm. a difference. I
0: think always it always comes down to the human connection. I think whatever you do, like if honestly, you isolate yourself,
1: um, any 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 goal that you think you have that isolates yourself at the end of the day needs to be reevaluated because if if it, you're isolated, then the why behind your project is probably not big or universal enough to be meaningful
0: Uh, that got really deep (laughs) but i feel like that was that was very good those are some
1: well i i I like to rail against um I, i feel like and i'm not hating on like american society not at all. I love America. But well, I, I mean but I, uh, but I, I talk I know to, you, I know what to what the cult mean. of the yeah. American dream and like that's something big in English whereas we look at Gatsby and we look at yeah. like what mm-hmm. what does our society make great? Yeah. Correct. And like what what do we value? And we what we value is what we we put on a pedestal, yeah. what we take pictures yeah. of, what we put on social media. But in reality it's it's the unheard voices you know the 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 masked figures in the pandemic that are helping trying to find yeah i feel you know, like
0: almost though now that now people are almost kind of going back to the normal person it's like the the great like they're trying to shift more from the outstanding person is the person to be revered and instead it's the average normal person like
1: absolutely you know they're
0: kind of going back to like oh it's not about the person like Fauci it's not a, he's not great anymore like what's great are the nurses that are helping all the people during COVID well
1: and even like so, so I, I read a lot of Brene Brown especially recently and and she talks about you know I'm reading her Gifts of Imperfection and um also her I believe it's the Atlas of the Heart um and she talks about at some point about narcissism and I'm—I have this deep fear of being a narcissist, <laughs> and it's like, at what point does your fear of being a narcissist negate your narcissism? But I—I I didn't understand the definition until I read it—that it, narcissism is the fear of being ordinary, and mm. that's super. That, like, when I think of a narcissist, I think of this evil, controlling, yeah. maybe family member that wants to ruin your life because all they see is themselves. But that definition. <laughs> we're, we're speaking from experience. <laughs> but, but that definition's kind of mild. Like, the fear of being ordinary, we all want to be extraordinary I think, in yeah, society. I think that's, like, I want a million followers. Wants to stand I, want, out. Yeah. I, I want a voice to be to, to be the shot heard around the and world. And you know what's
0: crazy, though, is too, still now it's almost worse because now people are seeing that it's even more normal to become that person that was the ordinary person become extraordinary by going viral or oh i posted this one thing that went viral on instagram or posted this one tiktok that suddenly went viral overnight so it's like more and more people want to reach that level of being famous or being
1: different in a way right and and i think it's not it's not in being ordinary that is extraordinary it's the it's what we search for is authenticity Like, as a culture, it's not ordinary, it's, like, in social media, the phenomenon of people getting famous, especially with memes, like, the meme (laughs) format, or, like, the TikTok format, is, oh, my goodness, I can relate to that person. Yes, exactly. And that's That's, a normal person that has, like, a dog that burped, or, (laughs) you know, you when you're late at 2 a.m. and you're getting a snack from the fridge, or, like, people people buy into that ordinary, not because it's ordinary, but because it's, relatable. it's authentic.
0: It's relatable, you know? yeah. And that
1: person isn't covering up. You know, I think we're tired of the filters. We're tired of the makeup and the Brazilian butt lifts. And, like, yeah. the things that we can't attain with money as a normal human, like, we can't go to the gym twice a day and have someone prep our, our food. Plan. That's so
0: true. Like, the YouTube culture has completely changed. Like, they call it the, I think they call it the saturation generation or something like that like the overly saturated pictures overly saturated videos on youtube the hi everyone welcome to my channel and yeah, everything's like, sepia everything's, and blown, everything's blown out you know exciting and da-da-da-da. but now all of a sudden you have emma, emma chamberlain and it's like she's the it person for youtube where she was just showing her vlog going through high school and right. she's and, and you, you see know the... wasn't full of makeup wasn't right editing her videos with you know, all these different colors and bright colors and making it, you know, super exciting and funny. Like she just was naturally funny and everybody loved her videos.
1: Right. Exactly. And it's like people, people are tired of, of trying to meet a standard that is, that cannot be attained by an average schedule with an eight to five job or, or nine to five or, um, family and education they're looking for someone that can be themselves in a world that tells you not to be yourself and um, and not being afraid to be ordinary and that's extraordinary mm-hmm. and it, just, just that whole dichotomy of extraordinary and ordinary like as a Asian American um, you know half Asian American I was homeschooled I was in a rush to graduate high school I was in a rush to graduate college I I was in a race to go nowhere because no one was in the race with me. I now am taking a step back and saying, like, in it's okay to not need to stand out because it, it's really a race to nowhere, a race against your your mental health. And and it's okay. Like, self-care is okay. Like, you can yeah. stop and be unproductive. Like, I read a lot Have about the Have a night cult. of
0: doing absolutely nothing or a week of doing absolutely nothing, and it's okay.
1: Right, and we didn't even talk about bullet journaling yet, but like, <laughs> you know, I got really into bullet journaling, and probably about four years ago, it, everything was about productivity on YouTube, like, yes, minimalism, yeah. and Marie Kondo, and productivity, and wake up at 5am, and if you could check off all your bullets by the end of the day, you were an extraordinary person. And you wanted to
0: be aesthetic, and beautiful, Correct. and artistic in your bullet journal, and, you know.
1: And it's changed, and and... and We can talk about that, um, like how. That's a good segue. How bullet journaling. (laughs) I mean, can you
0: just explain though what bullet? In case anyone doesn't know what bullet journaling is, just kind of explain the difference between that and a normal planner or a normal journal, and then, you know,
1: just what it's used for as compared to a normal planner. Absolutely, and and I'm sure some of you that are listening hear like the word bullet journal and you kind of cringe because you've seen <laughs> some kind of artsy hipster Instagram post of, <laughs> of some like you know next uh you know van gogh yes that's
0: why i wanted to ask you because you have a different bullet you're not not i'm not trying to shame one per- well i'm not even gonna say your name but the people that do it like that where it's the most aesthetic they can doodle perfectly and they do only black and white doodles in their bullet journal with color coordination yeah, and, and you never like, see
1: a pencil or any right yeah it, mark. and
0: somehow they draw the perfect straight line i feel like you're a good example of using a bullet journal and it being a normal person's imperfect bullet journal
1: so, bullet journaling, I, I believe I started four years ago. I'm on my fourth bullet journal. That's crazy. Um, it is. And <laughs> I
0: couldn't even get through, like, two months.
1: <laughs> so, the premise of a bullet journal is is uh, it, the, I guess, trademark method. It was created by Ryder Carroll. And it, it, it kind of focuses, it's very simple. It, it's as simple as the title. It's a bullet. It's a bulleted task. And he has just a very simple... Um, you know, lists types right? of like, symbols yeah. it, that show how you migrate tasks for long term projects, and um, it's a daily task list, and you cross it out with a with an X if you finished it. I love you me put some a, lists. <laughs> I love me some lists. You put a you put a right arrow, like a kind of like a carrot symbol, if you need to migrate that to the next day because you didn't finish it. Um, and there's some there's some other things, and some of them I adopt and some of them I don't. And, the reason why I started bullet journaling, I used to be an Erin Condren planner, which are like yes. super crazy. Yes, so, many,
0: so <laughs> many of my friends are, I I put a poll up on my Instagram story because I was doing some research on like what's the best planner, what, what does a person look for in a planner kind of thing. I was just like doing some research just based on like my friends personally and a lot of them were just like, oh, I just love the Erin Condren, like they're the best, they have everything in it anything you want, you know, you can put inside that planner. And then I look at the price and it's like 60 bucks, personalize it, add another 10 bucks. And I'm like, that is insane. There's a page for everything.
1: There's pages, there's stickers, there's <laughs> Color coordination. <laughs> and so I, I was an Erin Condren planner and in particular I was, I used the teacher planner, which the teacher planner has lesson planning spots and field trip stickers and this and that. And And so my very first year as a teacher... Or sorry, my second year as a teacher. My first year as a teacher, I had an Erin Condren planner. Um, My second year, I was getting married. I was buying a house. I was the head coach of uh, the school's volleyball team. Um, I had so much going on. So I had my wedding planner.
0: (laughs) That's insane.
1: I had my binder that was planning out. So my first home was also a 203k renovation loan which requires multiple steps and approvals multiple and paperwork.
0: contractors and contacts you have to so talk much
1: to. you know you had to talk to hud and and so guys when
0: she says she has a renovation loan this house was basically was it condemned it was condemned, it was condemned. so it had termites it had
1: no plumbing there was no, no plumbing
0: no they had an entire new bathroom it was crazy just for some backstory
1: <laughs> yeah so this was a this was a task <laughs> i'm a i'm a sucker for projects so <laughs> So not only was I getting married and planning my own wedding, paying for that, paying for um, renovations on this house and also being a teacher and also being a head coach of a of a struggling volleyball team at the time, I had a planner for my wedding. I had a I had a binder for my 203k mortgage loan. I had I had a tiny volleyball planner that had like my game plans in it, and then I had my teacher planner that had my lesson plans. And so I was literally in my backpack, had four things. And if for some reason I left anything at home or at work, I was stranded because I couldn't merge all of those dates together. Like in my mind, my day is a 24-hour uninterrupted window. But these planners that were created by other people didn't represent the structure of my life. I
0: noticed like for teacher planners, it can get iffy because some it's hourly, but it's till like 8 p.m so you know if you have practice after or if you want to include your personal stuff on there if you want to have like your entire planner be your teacher planner it stops at a certain time
1: or if you're an elementary school teacher you have eight periods in the day if in my county yeah, if you're you a high school teacher shorter, it's I mean, a, a b block it's yeah. a block schedule you only teach kids every other day i only have four periods if there's a snow day then what, what happens? happens
0: you shift it all correct
1: or if you know, we have so many interrupted bell schedules. We have testing we have this. And we change the bell schedule daily depending on the needs of the, the day. And so I was tired of erasing. I was tired of writing in pen. I was tired of – And then of, you draw it so – like
0: you write all your lists out so perfectly.
1: And then it's, and all then it's like forget it because we decided to have a field trip today. And so it was actually impacting my – my self perception of being productive and effective because I would see all these scratch outs and I would mm-hmm. see. makes would, it feel messy. Yeah. yeah. My life, you know, like you said, if the journal ends at or the planner ends at 8 p.m., I'm like writing in my doctor's Squeezing appointment it in. Yeah. at the side of my teacher planner, which which doesn't make any sense. Or um, I'm writing in my mortgage, uh, my <laughs> loan officer's number on the back of a, a volleyball play. Yeah. And so I just felt like my life it was crazy
0: in craziness I feel like the same way I'm so particular about my planners like I remember I got one I think my first planner was when I started at community college and so it's just like they give you that planner at Anne Arundel and it was just that one little section for each day of the week and it was lined it had like four lines on it and I love writing super long lists so then I was like oh well maybe I should get a planner that has each day of the week instead of horizontally it's vertically and then I did vertically and then it had hours and then I was like each thing you know like if only I could do it and then I tried bullet journal like you like I feel like do you like what's your major points when you make your bullet journal like do you like it have a lot of space so you can kind of do brain dumps or do you like to make sure that you have an hourly section where you do have each planning period or um each class on there and each planning period on there like, how do you normally set yours? Or is it all different?
1: Well, and that's part of it, is that your life, like, the bullet journal, the reason why I chose it is it can adapt to your life because it's it's your brain on paper, and it can look different. Right. This is your brain. <laughs> this is your brain. This is your brain on, your brain on bullet journal. <laughs> like, like one week, and, and like you had said about, like, the space of a day, what if in college, your Wednesdays and Thursdays yeah, are, are crazy, crazy, and then yeah. on Mondays, you do nothing but That'd you get coffee and study, you might be able to adjust the sp- the physical space of your layout so that Wednesday and Thursday are just bigger, so you stop running out of room to write your task list, or maybe the weekends aren't as important to, to schedule out. They can be skinnier, their, right. or longer, or wider, or whatever, and and. That's that's the beauty of bullet journaling. And like four years ago, my bullet journals look all my layouts are different than they are now because the structure of my weeks and days are different. Yeah. Um, so I probably the most important thing in my bullet journal is my weekly spread, is is one of them. So that is basically my seven days laid out in a grid. Um, each day is a vertical column, and my Monday through Fridays are wider columns because I'm a teacher and I work. And I do all kinds of stuff Monday through Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, they're slightly smaller columns um, because it's mostly fun things. Like or personal life stuff right. too. And then I leave, which is kind of something new I've started with my bullet journaling. Um, and it's how I rectify my, my inner desire to like journal, like actual mm-hmm. journal, like record my day. But I don't have time to do that. So I leave this, this pretty thick space on the right-hand side of the spread. That is just an empty space for me to stick in photos. Um, I have, like, a sticker printer or a printer that prints stickers. (laughs) And I stick photos from the week. And I I write anecdotal stories about what happened. Like, key takeaways. I'll write motivational quotes that, like, really meant something to me that week. And I'll, I'll record, like, the highlights of the week on the right side because that's my why. That's, like... Oh, this week was really hard, but look at what I did. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I see a lot of people have um, planners like that where it's like three re—I don't know—three points of gratitude I pulled from this week, or you know, three motivational things that I'm looking forward to next week, or whatever it is. Right, and it can be anything. Pointing out the positives.
1: Right, and so maybe like during the month of November, maybe during the month of November, you want to be grateful all month. But then you don't want to. You don't want to. <laughs> you to be her. grateful
0: during December. Right. I'm just kidding. Right, <laughs> but
1: you don't want necessarily like a five year gratitude journal <laughs> like that. Like the idea of that kind of commitment just like boggles my mind. But so so maybe the you next month you want to focus on. You know, in the month of January, you want to focus on like three goals. Or goals. Yeah, correct. So so because you're making the layouts yourself then you can shift and there's no scratches out or there's no unmet expectations like, oh, and I have to be grateful again today even though I've been doing it for six months. I've been writing you know, the same stuff. And I'd rather just doodle on the side yeah. for this month because that's how I'm feeling. Um, the bullet journal just conforms to your mind. And once you get the basics down um, of how to write a task list, how to merge your tasks over, because the cool thing about bullet journaling is is it's forgiving. It allows you to not be productive. And but not but not be productive, but yeah. also not forget that you still have to do that. The next yeah,
0: plans. <laughs> Correct, right, like planned you, you'll remember. To, yeah.
1: Um. So I do my weekly spreads. I have a monthly spread that just kind of gives me um a more long term project based approach. Like if I have a deadline, like my admin interview poll I knew it was coming, so I put it on my monthly and then I leave a space on the right of the monthly of like themes and goals that I want to accomplish mm-hmm. by that month. Kind of
0: more of like an overview. Monthly right. overview, not so specific.
1: Not like hour by hour, like what I mm-hmm. you know, I need to run this data for this meeting like in the next two hours. That goes on my my daily or my weekly column. Whereas it's like, I need to make sure I change the air filters in the house <laughs> by the second of the month right. goes on the monthly.
0: So do you do habit trackers still or not really? How do you it do? Depends.
1: It depends. Um, if I'm feeling uh, habit trackery because I'm <laughs> ambitious, I, I'm, maybe I'm reading <laughs> Atomic happens habits. Because uh, we're <laughs> just talking
0: about water, drinking yes. water.
1: <laughs> um Maybe I'm reading Atomic Habits by James Clear for like the second or third time, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I need to drink more water. I need to work out more. I need to meal prep. Um, I might use some of that empty space on the right side of my weekly and just draw in a little grid. Mm-hmm. And so I I I prefer grid or dot grid layouts because I don't like I like the tastes. structures like, of lines. Yeah. Um, I like to draw all my own stuff, but. The grids are nice because you' you can still follow line. I have a mini ruler that fits across one of my a five pages.
0: I feel like that's one of the biggest thing that I have not found a planner that I like the weekly layout which <laughs> i i uh, I think it's great you do a bullet journal. I just don't think that I could because i always i've tried to do it so many times but I just can't so I always end up going back to like an undated just minimalistic planner or something but I have yet to find a good one with habit tracker that's also clean and you know what i want and then also has the weekly layout that i want that isn't so tiny and small that i can't fit all my lists in it but yeah i've gone to that habit tracker app <laughs> that that i was talking to you about earlier but i feel like at least it's like organized but it's very similar to it's like each day is has its own little habits and then you can just fill it in like each day yeah do
1: you like do you like that
0: yeah i actually like it a lot because I mean, now I think it's different. I've been trying to look at my planner more, but in school, it's like every time I sat down for a class, I opened my planner. I made sure I had all the assignments turned in before I started class or whatever. And now it's like I go to work. I could be rushing to go do, you know, whatever I need to do. And I might not be looking at my planner every single day, but I always look at my phone. So it's like I keep my habits on my phone. Oh. (laughs) anywho sorry that was just our timer because we didn't realize the time that it would be um we were gonna try to try to keep this under an hour but it's fine we've we've had a good talk but anyway so I realized that for habits since I'm really bad about going on my phone too much and not as much about going on to my and like looking through my planner um the habit tracker app like really helps me out so
1: so I
0: think um but like, I think consolidating like in the bullet journal is
1: what well, like, The like, bullet journal itself doesn't remind me of more so efficient. As much as in setting it up for the week reinforces what I need to get done. True. So yeah. sometimes like I don't even go back and look at it as much as I need to, mm-hmm. like or as much as you think. I think the, it's the act of setting up my week organization too. Yeah. I, I have I have my phone. You know, all my meetings are in uh, Microsoft Outlook and. My Outlook calendar. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's still there. I'll sort of get a reminder, hey, you have a meeting due or, or this data is due. But me physically handwriting it out, setting it up for the week, that helps me remember. So it, Me too, yeah. So, even sometimes, like, I'll set up my whole thing on a Sunday for the next week, and then I won't even pull it out again until maybe that yeah, Saturday <laughs> too, when I'm putting oh, stickers yeah. for the week. So,
0: I think that it helps also just, it's almost like when you need to just vent to someone like you're like I just need to vent to you about this situation that happened it's like that but for planning it's like oh my goodness I have all this stuff to do I need to just get it down like in my journal or in my planner and it just makes you feel better
1: <laughs> yep I agree
0: oh <sighs> well that was a good talk it was um longer than we expected but
1: I think that we hit some really good points don't you think well yep thank you thank you for having me on here this is uh good conversations and you know making connections is is always beneficial
0: yeah maybe if we have other things we want to discuss you can come back on the podcast but with that we're going to wrap up thank you everyone for listening and um stay tuned for more episodes and i hope to i guess hear from you guys in the comments i don't know if they comment for podcasts but please rate it five stars if you can